Today's episode is brought to you by Craftsy. Whether you are new to making or looking to advance skills in a favorite hobby, Craftsy is the place to learn. With over 1,500 classes, there's something for everyone, from knitting and sewing to baking and cooking, gardening, embroidery, quilting, and more. Visit CraftsyOffers.com today and get a full year of Craftsy Premium Membership for just $3. That's 97% off the regular price. Start turning ideas into projects you can be proud of. Thank you so much, Craftsy. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 195 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about creating a digital magazine with the founders of Make Modern. Make Modern is Australia's only modern quilt magazine. It began in 2014 when a group of passionate quilters had a dream of producing a magazine for quilters by quilters, filled with beautiful patterns and articles to inspire quilters to make more modern quilts. Six years on, and each Make Modern magazine is read by thousands of quilters in over 70 countries around the globe. Each issue is 100 plus pages and is jam-packed with modern quilt patterns designed by a huge team of international quilters, articles to inspire and teach you something new, and interviews with your favorite quilt designers. So we have three of the founders here to chat today. We have business manager Laura Mata, we have creative director Christy Lee, and we have editor Jane Kelly. Welcome to the three of you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. And we'll work to sort of differentiate your voices a little bit for listeners who have this only on audio. Um, so maybe we can start with you, Laura, if you can tell us a little bit, um, just briefly about your background and sort of how you came to love modern quilting. Sure. So, um, oh, I think it was around about back in 2011. Um, I, was working as a scientist in a little bit of a, it was quite a stressful research role at a university. And I really missed my creative side. I felt like I needed something to do in my spare time that was a little more creative and something to de-stress. So I started quilting. Um, I started with a king size quilt and some Tula pink I didn't finish that quilt until very recently because it was just too big um, as a beginner quilt, but, you know, that's that's a lesson learnt. Um, and I soon joined a Facebook group online where I was part of a quilting bee, so we made um, foundation paper pieced blocks. They were quite complicated, and we sent them to each other. And in that group were Jane and Christy. And um, we decided to, well, I let them tell you that story. Wonderful. I love that you met online, which is very fitting for producing an online magazine. So that's great. And Christy, um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be a modern quilter. So I started at a similar time to Lara, about 2011, um, when my daughter was about a year old and I was just looking for a bit of a creative outlet and I'd always loved looking at the pretty fabrics in the shops whenever I went into the um, craft stores. So um, my mum loaned me her sewing machine, bought me all the bits and bobs to get started and that was it and I haven't looked back and now it's my full-time job. Um, And I met Jane through a local quilt group, I decided it was time to sort of branch out and meet other quilters in my area. And I showed up with my baby in tow to um, our first meeting and we had a lovely friendship over that time. And, yeah, that's we dreamt up Make Modern in the car park after quilt group one day. And then we were lucky enough to have Lara join us when we talked about it in our quilting bee. And, yeah, we haven't looked back. 
And Jane, tell us also about your background so everybody can get to know you as well. Okay, well, I'm going to age myself here. I started thinking about quilting when I was in high school because my best friend's mum back in the late 80s, early 90s was a quilter and that's where I first saw quilts. So my mother and my grandmother sewed but I was introduced to quilts by Anne and I started quilting back in the mid-90s, not modern quilting, but then when I had the kids I sort of dropped away from it because you're so busy with three little ones and came back to it probably in about 2010 I think obviously that's when the modern quilting world was really picking up with blogs and stuff and found that it really resonated with where I was sort of aesthetically I suppose at the time and then joined the internet quilt group that Lara spoke of met Christy at our local quilt group and I had a journalistic background and I had worked in craft magazines so then Mac Modern was born. And you are not all in the same region of Australia. Is that right? You're a little bit spread out. At least some of your team is spread out. Um, right now, I'm I'm traveling. I'm, I'm holidaying with my family. So we're the closest kind of we ever get right now. We're, we're very close in proximity, but normally we're thousands of kilometers away from each other. Okay. And so can you talk a little bit about how you collaborate as a remote team? Because I think that can be challenging with um, just trying to all be on the same page, building community with one another and collaborating and connecting efficiently. So um, I'm not sure who's best to take that question, but um, how do you do that? So I think in the beginning, it was a little bit trickier. Um, When we started in 2014, the internet working remotely wasn't so normal. I mean, now it's now it's very normal with people working from home during COVID. Um, but back then we had um, a Facebook messenger group that we would chat in constantly um, and we shared files online using Dropbox and that allowed us to save things and all see them really quickly. Um, we kind of still do that, but our, we've, We've got a little routine going where we, we're we really sure about what each of us does. Um, so we find it works quite well and we have the, the occasional um, video conference just to check in as well. Mm-hmm. And you don't use like Slack or another tool like that. You still have the Facebook Messenger group as the way to kind of check in quickly. That's right. That, that's what works best. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good for people to understand how you do this. So, um, and the magazine is focused on modern quilting. And I wondered for people who may be listening who aren't modern quilters um, or maybe aren't quilters at all, how do you define modern quilting? I suppose modern quilting, and our definition of it is fairly general. We are um, we're pretty flexible with it. It's a fresher a fresher style than what you'd sort of say is traditional patchwork. And so it might be taking traditional quilt blocks and setting them in a different way or using more modern fabrics. It's probably being really conscious of the fabric design and designers and using lots of solids as well, lots of bright, fresh colours. I guess it's while quilters are still of all ages, it's an a fresher aesthetic which isn't necessarily reproduction from a hundred years ago or really pretty florals, things like that. And I and it really is a bit of anything goes as well. I think modern quilters like to really test the boundaries, find some traditional ideas and then play with them and make them more modern and and those trends you see come and go in modern quilting, but it's really pushing the boundaries of quilting, I think, for a new a new era. And what does each issue of the magazine contain? So if somebody were to buy an issue now or to start their subscription and get the next one coming, what is inside of it? Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> so it's 100 pages um, each issue at least. Uh, we have 10 projects and that could be small projects like cushions, pin cushions we, and lots of quilts of all different sizes, different techniques from applique, foundation piecing as well as patchwork. 
Uh, and then we have a bunch of articles. We have Meet the Maker, where we introduce you to some of our favourite quilters and quilt designers around the world. We also have Smash Your Stash, which Jane writes to help people whittle down the stash because many of us are guilty of just buying that fabric and putting it away. So Jane's really working to help us work through that stash and make it into beautiful quilts. Uh, we also have a gallery each issue um, where we show off different techniques or different trends that are happening at the moment and that's from people on Instagram. We get people to share their photos and write a little bit about of it about it as well. Um, there's, yeah, there's quite a bit packed in there. Have I missed anything, girls? Uh, we've also got quite a number of really great columnists who write frequently for us. We've got Holly Ann Knight of String and Story. She's our free motion quilting and machine quilting expert. We've got Elise Blythe of Blossom Heart Quilts. She's been with us from the very start. Originally she was writing about maths and methods, but now she's moved on to tips and techniques, which covers lots of basics of quilting. We've got Wendy Wilde, who owns a quilt shop called The Next Stitch here in Australia, and she talks about the latest fabric trends. Tara Glastonbury of Stitch and Yarn is our newest columnist, and she's delving into design, modern quilt design. She's a fabulous quilter who's actually won some ribbons at QuiltCon. And the magazine comes out um, every two months, is that right? Yes. Okay, so it's six, is it six issues each year? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And what is it priced at, just so people can understand how the pricing works? It's currently, um, you can purchase individual issues for 10 Australian dollars, which is around about 7 US. Um, and we have subscriptions uh, ranging from $21 for six months up to our most popular subscription is our All Access, um, which gives you instant access to all of our past issues um, for 99 Australian dollars um, and that includes you know 400 modern quilt patterns and hundreds and hundreds of articles. And that's a really good deal because you get access I mean the longer you subscribe the the long the the greater that archive becomes right so um, that's that's really an incredible deal and um, and was it um, was it difficult to for you to think through like adding did, was that is that a newer addition to have the all access and I guess what was the thinking behind um, creating an all access membership? We, we did that about a year ago when we had yeah a lot of issues in our archive and we thought I had I had quite a few people email me after they subscribed saying what's the best way to get past issues we had a few bundles up of of. Uh, bundles of 10 issues but at the time we had around about 30 issues um, 30 back issues and if people bought those individually that's around $300 um, so we did have a few uh, very keen quilters do that um, which was lovely but I thought what's a better way for our subscribers to get their hands on this and make it just one they were available having the, the all-access subscription means they only have one link where they can access all of the issues. So it makes it a lot easier for them. Mm, yeah, that seems like a really um, a really new, a good new addition. And, um, and when you, I know you, um, you accept submissions, obviously, because you have 10 patterns and articles in addition to the regular columns for each issue. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what you're looking for in a pattern. So I'm sure you get submissions that, you know, aren't quite there um, when it comes to patterns and then others that are, you know, you get it and you're like, oh, this is ideal for us. So what are you looking for when you look at a pattern submission? We, we take submissions for pretty much any sort of project. While we love quilts and everyone loves to make big quilts, sometimes you love the smaller projects as well. So when we get something in that makes a cushion or a pin cushion or a bag, that's wonderful as well. Um, I think the biggest thing is we're just looking for something fun. We want a project that people want to look at and go, oh, I really want to make that and, like, go straight to their stash and start pulling fabrics. And to be perfectly honest, we've only had a handful that we've sort of said, oh, it doesn't quite fit with what we're looking for. And those tended to be probably a little more traditional or um, simpler designs, which if it's just basic patchwork, most people have 
able to figure that out or, you know, they'll, they'll go online and find a tutorial. So most of our quilts have a bit of a point of difference in that there's something a little bit different to what you might find as a freebie online. And they're just ones that you, you want to get out and make. Like the, our next issue coming up, I'm very excited about. It has so many beautiful quilts. Like it was such a struggle to choose the cover quilt because they're all so beautiful. It's pretty, yeah, it's probably my favourite part of the job is the submissions. And what are you looking for when you are accepting article submissions? Is there a particular style or voice that you're looking for, or particular topic areas? With feature submissions, we do like to have the writer's voice. So we're fairly flexible with that. But it's really if you can find something new that's worth talking about with quilting, I guess. And after 40 so or so issues, it's there are lots of things to talk about, I guess. I'm always amazed that each issue gets it. You don't, you never seem to run out of ideas. Yeah, and we get some. I guess some things come to me. I, I do write quite a few other features, and some things come to me quite randomly. I think, well, that's that's interesting to expand on. But and we're looking at encouraging and expanding quilters' repertoire. I suppose we really like to encourage quilters to try new things. At the end of the day, it's only fabric, and you do have your unpicker sitting next to you all the time. Any accomplished quilter knows that. I mean, in upcoming issues, we've got something about half-square triangles, working on improv half-square triangles, which I'm really excited about, um, that article coming in, because it's something I might not have thought about. And when I read it, I was like, well, this is interesting to take traditional piecing and go, no, I'm going to sort of make these without a direct plan and then see what I come up with. And it's, that will just push people out of the comfort zone of going, oh, I have to have this pattern and follow it exactly. So while we have patterns in the magazine that people can follow exactly, we like to encourage them to go a bit further than that as well. And I think that that's where we come up with sort of can do that through our articles. And so I think this is a great opportunity for somebody who is looking to get published, maybe for the first time, or, you know, just to be able to have that under their belt. So um, I would encourage people to submit because um, it sounds like they might have a good chance of getting their pattern or their article published. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things we look for is people who are quilters, because they know what other quilters are looking for. They know our point of interest. So if you come to me and say, I've been making quilts for so long, I love designing them, I've got this article idea about something, it's really likely that I'll want to know more about it because it is just getting, sharing the ideas that quilters have because that's what makes our community so great. If we can share our our ideas and our thoughts and our stories and so definitely, we're definitely open to submissions. And you pay all of the contributors. Um, and I wondered if that has been part of Make Modern from the beginning and why you made the decision um, to pay the contributors of both the articles and the patterns. We have paid um, all our contributors from the beginning and it has uh, initially it was quite a bit of a lower rate but one of the things we've done as we've as we've grown is every year we've looked at how much we can raise our pay rates we're probably not up there with the super big magazines but we've always always wanted to pay contributors because this is really important work and it's paid work it's not easy and we, why should we get it for free I mean we're not doing this for free either we, we're taking money from customers we're earning a, a salary from it so we should be paying every step of the way I think and why be entirely digital I wondered whether you ever debated being a print magazine or whether there'll ever be a special edition print issue or if you really see the the now and the future of make modern as being an always digital magazine yeah, I, I get through to customer service quite a few emails about this and people that would prefer print, but then I also get subscribers who after a while have decided that they prefer the digital, the digital, it doesn't take up any space on their shelves, they have it there on their iPad when they go to the shops um, and they're buying their fabric, the patterns are all there, um, so there are some benefits as well. I think I'm a bit of a hippie and 
I don't think we should be cutting down trees if we don't have to. So I've always been a little bit anti having our magazine printed. I think it would also make, you know, shipping from Australia is very expensive and I think that would price out a lot of our customers um, from being able to subscribe to us. Probably one of the realities when we started this six years ago and even now is that publishing a print publication is expensive and when we were doing this in conjunction with our other jobs six years ago I mean when we first started doing this I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning to write the magazine and then going to work full-time realistically it might not have kept going if we had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars every issue to get it into print and then get it distributed it's probably not something we'd have kept doing necessarily so one of the really great things is we could start up we can use sort of platforms that help us get the publication out there and it doesn't cost the earth. And I think that's one of the things that's really revolutionised so much of the world, including quilting, obviously, with blogs and Instagram and everything, but that's probably one of the realities of it as well. I want to take a minute now to talk about our sponsor, Craftsy. And here's a message from Craftsy. At Craftsy, we know making. Whether you are new to the handmade life or looking to advance your skills, we have classes for all maker levels and interests. From knitting and sewing to quilting and embroidery, cooking, baking, paper crafts, and more. Craftsy's instructors guide and encourage you, empowering you to turn ideas into realities. And they have an exclusive offer for Craft Industry Alliance podcast listeners. Right now, you can get a whole year of their premium membership for only $3. Visit CraftsyOffers.com to sign up, and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. For only $3, you'll get a full year of access to over 1,500 premium full-length classes. It can be challenging to know where to go to learn new things, especially when you are an absolute beginner. Craftsy's instructors help build strong foundations as they teach, setting you up for success and helping you fix mistakes as you go. Their enthusiasm and strong teaching style make learning accessible to all. If you're an advanced maker and looking for new challenges and fresh projects, Craftsy's for you too. From perfecting your fondant skills to tackling complex stitches, from eye-catching garden design to next steps in sourdough, Craftsy has advanced classes in all crafts from instructors who are experts in their field. With over 1,500 classes, including downloadable patterns and recipes, Craftsy has a class and a craft for everyone. Visit CraftsyOffers.com today and get a year of Craftsy Premium Membership for just $3. That's 97% off the regular price. Start turning ideas into projects you can be proud of. Get this exclusive offer at CraftsyOffers.com. Thank you so much, Craftsy. And now, back to my conversation with the Make Modern team. And what do you think are some of the challenges of creating a digital magazine that maybe readers who've never tried to do it don't understand or fully appreciate? Yeah, I think when we started, we thought that our demographic would be like us in our 30s and 40s. Um, And it's been really surprising as the magazine grows that our demographic is actually 65 plus. From a digital perspective, It's trying to troubleshoot with people over email um, and troubleshoot with them with lots of different ways of reading it. So they might be reading it from a tablet or a computer. So that can be tricky. I think as well, definitely in the beginning, we had a few customers sign up not realising that it was a digital magazine. So we do try to make that very clear on on our website. And I think that's easier now we we share photos of actual tablets with the with the magazine showing on it. So that's a bit, yeah, I don't, I don't tend to have so many of those emails anymore, but troubleshooting the digital side of it um, does take some time. Um, So the magazine is published as a PDF and I wondered, um, had you looked into using issue? Um, I'm sure you know what issue is, um, but it's basically a way to digitally publish a magazine or, um, or sort of what was the software decision as far as creating, um, the digital file? 
We did look at issue um, early on, but we had some trouble, and I think it's I think it has improved since we looked at it. Um, but we had trouble with customers being able to read it from lots of different devices and being able to print the pages they want, whereas a PDF is much more, people are much more familiar with a PDF. Right, because they're used to buying quilt patterns as a PDF. Mm. And so, um, at least I am. And so um, they understand, you know, if you've bought a quilt pattern as a PDF, how to download it and save it onto your desktop and access it later. Maybe you want to use a cloud um, storage system or some other way of organizing your files. And so, um, I also agree with you that issue could make it difficult for downloading the pattern pieces. I think it's a bit prettier, you know, it looks more like a magazine on the screen on issue, but yeah, definitely for customer, for flexibility and for people owning, owning the mag copies of the magazine, I think it's better though better as a PDF. I've seen issue used well as a lookbook for, for example, new fabric Mm. collections. And I think it works well for that, but maybe not so much for um, an actual digital magazine. So that's interesting. Yeah, especially when it is the pattern piece thing too. I think you can print out a whole pattern quite easily from a PDF. And when we're doing things like foundation paper piecing, obviously those pieces need to be accurate. So we have much more control if we've got a PDF to know that people are going to be able to save that and it's going to print properly. So that's one of the big considerations, I think. And I'm wondering, it sounded like you use Dropbox. Um, Do you do kind of content planning together? I know here at Craft Industry Alliance, our content planning meeting is coming up in about a week from now um, for the next quarter. I wondered if you have something similar or how do you kind of look at the calendar and plan out the year? We have a very organized um, spreadsheet that documents what we've got coming up with dates and that sort of thing that we keep track of. Um, In terms of planning content, Jane and I'll often have a chat. Um, We used to live an hour away from each other and we'd meet for a coffee and do our planning I've since moved, so it's a little bit more difficult, but um, we'll just flick each other messages or a phone call and just go, right, let's plan out the next few issues. What have we got, you know, coming up, that sort of thing. Um, and it, it just flows beautifully. Um, we all sort of keep on track with each of our tasks and we all have it fairly clearly written. And like I think Lara said before, it's sort of down to routine now. We know what we're working on, what's coming up, and we just sort of tick those boxes for each issue. I think from a business perspective, it's always been great having three partners because I leave those two to kind of map out all of the content. But if there's anything where they don't agree, they just ask number three and there can never be kind of hung parliament with us. So it's really been great. And are the three of you, are the three of you equal partners? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and can you share how many subscribers um, Make Modern has now and what the subscriber growth has been like since the founding in 2014? Yeah, we have a readership of about 5,000 per issue now. Subscribers, we currently have, I think, about 3,000 um, active subscribers. Our newsletter goes out to over 10,000 subscribers. And we've had, since the beginning, we've had about 30% growth year on year. And is there specific strategies you've employed to spur that growth? In other words, has Instagram been helpful and and what is your strategy on Instagram or um, has Facebook or or another strategy been maybe the newsletter um, the most effective to bring in new subscribers, both paid and free? I think we have to mention our social media manager here, Nick from Craftapalooza. She does an amazing job with our socials and handles Instagram and Facebook. Um, The newsletter is Lara's baby that she takes care of, so she could probably tell you more about that one. Yeah, so none of us come from business background. Um, As I said, I was a scientist working in a research lab. Um, So our business has grown organically. Um, we've done a few short courses along the way, but there came to a point, yeah, a few years ago where in 2019, we got sick of doing the social media 
um, and really felt we needed a new voice and that's when Nick came on board. Before then we had two other people that also took it over for a, for a sh- short period of time. But, yeah, it's organic growth. We've found word of mouth is probably the best way that we've sold the magazine. We have an affiliate program um, where our affiliates earn a 25% commission on any of the sales. And so we have quite a few bloggers in there, other people that we love that are on Instagram that share the magazine with their followers. That's probably been the best thing that we've done for growth. And, of course, you're co-marketing with the contributors who get their patterns published, right? Because once they have their pattern published, they want to share that with everybody because it's really exciting. And so that helps, I'm guessing, to spread the word as well. Yes. So they usually sign up as an affiliate as well. Afterwards, we give them that option. So in addition to their, their payment, they can then earn a commission on any of the sales of the magazine if that's something that they want to do. Mm -hmm. That's smart. Um, And then um, you also have advertisers who advertise in the magazine and who also sponsor contests. So I wondered if you could talk about kind of your thoughts on advertising in a digital magazine. And yeah. From the very beginning, we didn't want to be a magazine that was half filled with ads and advertorials. We don't like reading magazines like that. And we didn't want our profit to be coming from advertising. You know, if you, if in a magazine house, they have an entire staff team that works on, on that. So we were really hoping to keep advertising down. We it's, it's much lower than about 10% per issue. And our adverts are, adverts we don't do advertorials we don't do paid product um, reviews or anything like that because we want to feel like our subscribers are like friends we don't recommend something unless we use it um, not because we're paid to recommend that so advertising has been a small a smaller side of our business Um, to be honest none of us have the time to scope out advertisers at the start I did a little bit of cold calling um, letting people know that the magazine was this was you know introducing our magazine to them Um, we got a bit of rejection then we were the newbies on the block but now I find businesses will come to us and want sort of ask how they can work with us and yes we do have some paid advertising um, that as I said, it's a small a small part of the business and doesn't contribute to much of the profits. And is there pressure that you have felt from maybe fabric companies or even coming from designers to showcase the latest collections? Because I do find sometimes when I pick up a print, you know, one of the more, I guess, established print uh, quilting magazines, it seems like they're always featuring um, you know, the collection of the latest designer or the latest designer's collection. Um, and, um, and you know, then you'll see also the advertisement from that um, fabric company or something like that. So I was just wondering whether um, you felt that pressure or maybe not. Not really, I don't think. We've sometimes worked with fabric companies who provided us with fabrics and we've made patterns from them or we've had contributors make patterns from them. And sometimes our contributors will organize on their own to get receive fabric from a fabric company which they'll use to make quilts for the magazine and we always um, attribute the the patent company and or the fabric company sorry let them and let people know what the fabrics are but it's not something we're super focused on and I suppose one of the things with being with being digital and having our all-access subscription and stuff is that we don't necessarily want to date ourselves and go okay this pattern is best made with the 2021 spring collection from such and such a designer because that just loses its scope straight away when someone reads it in a couple of years' time. So we just we don't really try and push it. We'd like to push just the art of quilting itself without pushing particular fabric collections or designers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And are you all able to do this now as your job or is this a part-time job or a side hustle or what role is this playing in your lives at this time? 
we're all in sort of different situations, I suppose, at the moment. Um, Christy is quite play as well with pattern companies and she's now designing for Riley Blake. So fabric and quilting is her full-time business, but it's sort of split between the two businesses. Lara's got young children, so she none of us are working full, full-time on this, but it is her main job and she gets to do that in conjunction with raising her children, which is perfect. I actually own a motel with my husband um, and so this is my this sort of bit of balance. I do some work in the motel part-time and I do this part-time and it's quite good to not be working with your husband all the time. So we all, we're all in sort of different different positions. We're in different stages of our lives with terms of the ages of our kids and where we're going. But, I mean, personally, I would like to look at retire, semi-retiring in a few years where I can sort of do make modern part-time, which is perfect for us, and then spend a bit more time doing other things as well rather than having to work all the time. Yeah, it sounds like it's a really good lifestyle business too. So that's always so, so nice. Um, if it's something you enjoy and that fits into your life at various stages, which it sounds like it does. So um, I'm wondering what software your site is built with in order to manage ongoing subscriptions. So if, if I sign up today for a six-month subscription or a one-year subscription, then that's auto-rebuild each time it comes up for renewal. Um, and I know that that can be a little bit challenging as far as being able to figure out all the tech um, for people who maybe that's not their strength. So um, how did you get that worked out and, um, and has it been working well for you? At the beginning, we looked at everything that was available for digital subscriptions and we started with Sendow um, and, in fact, we still use Sendow. There's been a few hiccups along the way as their business has grown and, and ours has as well um, and we did look at perhaps switching to something else a few years ago but at the time it was just too hard and I'm really glad that Sendow was able to iron out their, their little issues um, so we never had to move. But Sendow is a company that manages digital subscriptions. So through them, we can host the magazine as single issues and then they also manage the subscription process and the affiliate program as well. Nice. I didn't know Send Owl was so um, robust. That's great to hear. Mm. And is your site built on WordPress or a different platform? No, it's not. It's built with Wix, um, who have also really improved their their back back end over the years as well so um we signed up recently with a company to manage our seo um search engine optimization so that we can hit those earlier pages in google which has been really great and when i was trying to find a company to work with us a few just went oh i'm not working with somebody on wix um, they wanted a WordPress site, but then we found the company that we're using with now. And despite being with Wix, we still managed to hit um, the top ten pages of Google of the of um, the search sort of the search terms that we wanted to. So yeah, that's been good too. It's all just trial and error. <laughs> It is. And I always think that you can improve small things every day, right? And it, it's always mm. that steady march toward, um, toward being better and better. And I think the fact that you've been around for so long has been probably really helpful too. So for people who maybe don't understand SEO or are less familiar with how that works, Essentially, you're trying to um, to come up and search when somebody has a question that's related to your content, and um, figuring out how to get Google to um, to to categorize your posts um, so that you do come up as the first answer or on the first page is what SEO is all about. Um, so. Um, I wondered about the enamel pins. So you also sell a couple. It's not a, a huge selection of enamel pins for people who sew. And I wondered if there was any hesitation there around um, adding in a physical product. Definitely. I'm the one who packs and posts those. And that is a bit of a tiresome job. Um, but we wanted something 
to take to quilt shows with us and something for people to hold in their hands. Since COVID, postage rules have now changed. Um, so I've I've stopped enamel posts internationally. Um, it's just hugely expensive. I think it's about $20 now to send a pin to the States. Um, so we've had to stop that, but it's still nice when the world opens up and we can get back to quilt shows, it's nice for, to have a little something fun to give away. And how do you collect, um, you know, interest or I guess leads when you are at quilt shows? Because that's a great point when you are a digital product or let's say a service, for example, and you go to a show to interact with your audience and, you know, um, get your, your name out there. It, it is helpful to have something physical that you can either sell or give away um, with your branding on it. So um, so w- when you do go to shows, um, yeah, is, has that been challenging? Has that been successful? And how do you collect, um, you know, leads for that? Do you bring an iPad or something? Christy and Jane are probably more um, on the introverted um, side of life. I don't think they particularly like walking up to people and talking to them. Um, I love humans and I love making connections and so walking up to people and telling them about the magazine is something that, I mean, at the start it felt really braggy. I had to get over that. I had to get over myself and I had to think, hey, I'm really proud about having this magazine and I'm a proud quilter and people usually love hearing about it. So it helps that I'm part of a big guild here, a traditional guild, um, but the women there, since I was in my early 20s, they've really they've really taken me on board and supported everything I do and they love hearing about it. So I've had a lot of chance to share the magazine and I don't mind walking up and asking people for their email address, a little bit of their time, tell them about what we do. And I take a pen and paper. Um, I'm still old school with that. I usually give them a business card. We have some postcards um, with a link for people to go and check out a free issue of the magazine. That's the best way I've found. I feel like um, I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about QR codes, which um, I feel like prior to COVID, I don't know about you, but like I almost never use them. And yes. since COVID, I've used them a lot, you know. All Every the, day. Yeah, all the restaurants. Uh, I live in Boston and all the restaurants here now, you know, have a QR code menu. There's no paper menus. And uh, my my daughter's school um, did a, a Zoom presentation and we all used a QR code to access the, um, the file that was part of it. And QR codes have had their renaissance. And so mm. um, I do think now going forward, I might put one. Um, since I also sell a digital service, which is a membership for business owners, I might consider putting a QR code on a, on a postcard or something now, you know? I think we could definitely do that. I'll tell you a funny story. I'm in Cairns, far north Queensland at the moment. There are crocodiles around and the, the local council has just put, they've just painted QR codes on the boat ramps for people to scan if they see a crocodile. So there you go. Wow. So many uses. That's so funny. Um, And I wondered um, about being located in Australia. Um, Do you feel that it is helpful to your brand to be located in Australia? Do you, has it been a hindrance at all? And are most of your subscribers in Australia or most of them elsewhere? I think most of our, our subscribers are in the US and Canada. Um, a, a lot of the quilt world is based there, like, you know, and there's a lot more happening in in the States in terms of quilt shows and guilds. Um, the modern quilt area in Australia is probably a lot smaller, so it can be a bit of a challenge in that regard. Like when you mentioned going to quilt shows, um, it's not like it's, they'll just be an hour away for, like, um, Jane and myself who live a little bit further out from capital cities like Australia is such a big country if you go to quilt shows there's a lot of travel involved whereas from our perspective watching on Instagram and socials it seems like everything's a lot easier to access in the US so you can just pop over and visit a guild meeting without problem like you don't have to plan travel make it a weekend organize babysitting whereas for like us that can be a bit trickier to attend the bigger things um 
in terms of working with customers, it's brilliant because we have people all over the world and we're all united by that passion for quilting. So that's really awesome being digital that we have that opportunity to have subscribers around the globe and just enjoy our hobby together. And I think about, um, you know, Canva is an Australian business. Um, am I right about that? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I use Canva all the time and I think many people listening to this show probably do. So, um, you know, I think people are becoming more and more used to having companies that they are working with, you know, all the time be located on the other side of the world. I think even though sometimes it's difficult being in Australia, we are so far away and we can't travel to the, to the big quilt shows but it's also been great being Australian. We can get away with having a bit of a quirky sense of humour um, on our social media. Just a, It's just something a little bit different. And so I found that helps. Yeah, I think I agree with you about that. Um, with I, I had some um, patterns published in Homespun a while back. I don't know if that magazine's still around. Um, but you know, I, I think, um, Aust- working with Australian companies has been part of the craft blog world. I feel like for a long time now, um, I would love to get to your recommendations. I hope you've had a little bit of time to think of them. Um, and these are just something that you would recommend to a creative friend. Um, so I don't know who wants to start. Maybe, um, maybe Christy, do you want to begin? Oh, that's a tough one. Can we be really cheeky and recommend our magazine? To <laughs> you need to recommend something else too. We we it's definitely recommend Make Modern, but we need to recommend something else too that you would oh. would um, think a creative friend might enjoy. I, I don't think I have anything specific as such, but I just think social media is such a big thing. Like Instagram is my favorite place to be. The community on there amongst quilters is amazing. So like if I come across people like quilters and they're they're not utilizing that that would be my biggest thing jump in post some photos join some hashtags it's a lot of fun and um laura do you have a recommendation for me it's audiobooks i'm an avid reader and audiobooks as a quilter has changed my life i don't like having to flick my head up to a screen to see what's going on on netflix while i'm quilting or stitching um but audiobooks allows me to do two things at once, and that's great for me. Have you listened to anything great recently? I really loved American Dirt. American Dirt, okay. Yeah, that one. It's about Mexican um, border crossing, and it helped that the son was called Luca, which is my son. It, that's my son's name as well. And whew, I cried a lot through that book. Oh, that sounds good. Okay, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. Um, and Jane, do you have a recommendation for us? Okay, I do second um, what Lara says about audiobooks because I do love um, reading and sewing at the same time and they're also good when you have to do the housework. But um, probably my thing, and it's not a product either, it would be just getting your scraps sorted. One of the best things I've done, I think, and it was time-consuming at the time, was getting my fabric scraps sorted into and cut into two-and-a-half or four-and-a-half and five-inch squares. And I made scrap quilts out of all the stringy bits that were left and crumb quilts out of all the smaller bits that were left. And for me, that's been a bit of a game-changer a, I'm not completely overwhelmed by scraps, and B, I see some really great, easy sort of patterns based on squares, and I know that half the work's been done. I just grab those boxes and start sewing, and when you want something that's just a bit of mindless therapeutic sewing, to not have to really think too hard about cutting everything up because you've done it all before is really nice. So, And I think for anyone who's been quoting for any length of time, scraps do become a bit of a challenge. So it's nice to be able to deal with them. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. And when do you do the cutting? Do you do it right when, you know, you're cleaning up after a project is completed? Or do you have another favorite time to sort of sit there and just cut all the scraps into usable squares? Um, Now that I've got everything mostly sorted, it was an epic project for a while there about a year or so ago. But I have a basket 
next to my sewing machine and I throw anything into that and then I go back to it when it's full and it's not a very big basket when it's full I'll go back to and then cut everything down to size and start putting it away so I keep on top of it fairly regularly because otherwise it becomes a bit of a monstrous task. Yeah, that's awesome because then you see things in there, um, maybe combinations too, since it's scraps from a lot of different projects that you wouldn't have thought of before. So it's yeah. like your creative tools are, are ready to rumble. So that's a great idea. Um, well, Laura, Christy, and Jane, I really enjoyed talking with you and learning all about Make Modern Magazine. Can you tell people um, where they should go if they want to check it out, maybe sign up for your newsletter or become a subscriber? If you go to www.makemodern.com.au, um, you can check us out. And there's also a link to subscribe to our newsletter um, on Instagram where Make Make Modern Magazine, and same as Facebook. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me for the podcast. It was great. Thank Thanks you for having us. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was sponsored by Craftsy. Whether you're new to making or looking to advance skills in a favorite hobby, Craftsy is the place to learn. With over 1,500 classes, there's something for everyone, from knitting and sewing to baking and cooking, gardening, embroidery, quilting, and more. Visit CraftsyOffers.com today and get a full year of Craftsy premium membership for just $3. That's 97% off the regular price. Start turning ideas into projects you can be proud of. Thank you so much, Craftsy. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.